Hello, I'm Becky Hadid, host of The Storied Recipe. As my weekly guests share their stories through the vessel of cherished food memories, we all become better cooks, more grateful for the gift of food, and we honor those that have loved us through their cooking. I know you just fell in love with compassionate, confident, humble Muriel and the story she shared in the episode I released Wednesday, From Sunny Africa to Snowy Canada. There was one portion of our conversation that I believed was too interesting and important to edit down into that episode. So I'm releasing it right here, right now as a bonus episode. Muriel shares the reason she chose veganism, how this choice has affected her and her family, and she candidly discusses the struggles and the benefits of that choice. As a carnivore, I found plenty to challenge me to research further and even to which I could relate. Please, would you take a moment now to subscribe to the podcast? And once you've done that, enjoy this conversation with Muriel. And then let's talk about your niche in terms of recipe development, which is that you live and you champion a vegan lifestyle. Yes, I do. (laughs) So a couple of years ago, I would already do vegan recipes from uh, the blog of the Minimalist Baker. So I wasn't vegan at the time. And I would just I found her recipes to be very good and tasty. And it added just more plant based options into my life. Mm-hmm. And I, I was already very familiar with it, although I wasn't vegan at the time. And then what happened is that me and my boyfriend, <laughs> we watched this documentary called Earthlings. And it's a documentary about farming, industrial farming, yes. And what happens, you know, behind closed doors and mm-hmm. some of the atrocities that you can see in mm-hmm. the industrial farms. Yeah. And that really opened our eyes on something we had no idea about and something that for years I was kind of denying, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Like I had mm-hmm. heard that animals are not well treated. I I've, I had heard it. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. I, was, I was kind of pushing away that idea. And I thought, you know, in Canada, it's not the same. Animals are treated better here and things like mm-hmm. that. But then when I saw that, I just couldn't anymore. Mm-hmm. And Mm -hmm. so it took a few months for the transition because at first I just cut out meat and then I cut out eggs and dairy was the last thing to go. And now it's going to be about three years that uh, me and my boyfriend have been vegan, actually. We've done the transition together, which has been Mm. helpful. Yeah. You know, one of the things that this podcast has helped me do is confront the idea of at least being mindful about where my food, especially my meat, is coming from when it comes to just the ethics of it do you feel like it's an equally ethical option to make choices to eat meat that are you know that the animals are raised and treated ethically I personally do not find that it is mm. just because my personal reasoning is at the end of the day you're like it's a life that is being taken it is mm-hmm. an animal that was basically raised to be killed Mm-hmm. And also in terms of like the type of, you know, the clean farming, the humane farming, first of all, that label of humane farming tends to be something that is not, well, it's not something that is defined by law. And even some things like, for example, I know the, the term cage-free eggs um, or mm-hmm. cage-free chickens, like the chickens can still be crammed into a very small room, but not be in a cage. It doesn't mean that the chickens are running freely. Right. Or, for example, in the case of a cow, you know, like a cow that is raised outside and that is grass-fed and, you know, has a good life. Yes, technically, 
it's better than the cow is like in a really tight cage and is very badly treated. But when we think of like a global, on a global scale, if everybody would only consume this type of meat that needed so much space, that needed so much more resources, that that would live a much longer life, that wouldn't be treated, let's say, with hormones of growth and things like that, because they'd give those things to animals so that they grow faster, so that they can kill them faster and put it on the shelves, right? So if you would take a cow that is humanely raised and grass-fed and all these things, and everybody would purchase this type of meat, there wouldn't be enough land on the earth for all those cows to survive because of the sheer quantity of meat that we eat mm. and our demand, you know, like the amount of meat and milk and eggs that we ask for is just a lot. I think so it is still, you know, it's a better option, but that's we, a really interesting line of argument that I've never heard or considered. It's the idea that since it's not naturally sustainable for mm -hmm. everyone to eat in that way, then it, it can't be the best option. Exactly. And especially mm -hmm. that that argument is mainly like an environmental because of just the sheer space of like the earth. But mm -hmm. for me, just ethically eating an animal is at the end of the day taking its life, right? It's, a, mm -hmm. it's an animal that was brought on the earth to be killed. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's just something that I, I personally don't adhere to. And I respect anybody, you know, that chooses differently. I think we, at the end of the day, we all have the right to choose what we want for our lives. And I really, I am not judgy at all. No, I've never, I've never, I'm, yeah, it's actually something, like I said, that I think about a lot. It's not a decision I'm ready to make by any means, but I think that I can't, what I can't do is not ask the questions, mm -hmm. right? Yes. Um, I, I think that is the biggest thing. I think we need to have more conversations and everybody has to be more educated about these things because for me, I had no idea about all these things until I actively did the research. I started like listening to pod podcasts, watching movies, reading articles, and those things after a while, when you put all the evidence together, there came a point where I just couldn't really ignore it anymore. And I couldn't say like, oh, what I'm doing is not hurting anyone. Mm -hmm. so. Has the rest of your family gone vegan or any other members? Well, that is also very interesting. My mom is now vegetarian, mm -hmm. so she doesn't eat um, meat. Well, she's pescetarian because she eats fish. Mm -hmm. She eats a lot less dairy than she used to. My mom doesn't eat eggs because she just doesn't like them. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, but and, she would uh, put them in a cake, for instance. Uh, now, not even because okay. she knows that you can replace the eggs with something else. Okay. So mm -hmm. it's not, not even. Mm -hmm. um, my brothers, my youngest brother, he's 15 years old. He's far from vegan and he's anti-vegan. <laughs> <laughs> Every time I bring something for dinner, he's like, is this vegan? Okay, no, I'm not going to have it. <laughs> it's fine. I, I don't think it personally. We're all on our yeah. own journey. It's totally okay. Um, and then my other brother is kind of st starting to be interested about it. He's not vegan or vegetarian, but he's becoming more conscious about it and thinking about mm -hmm. it. I think it's one of the reasons why he hasn't made the jump is because of the fact that it's it's harder for him because he he doesn't know how to cook 
Yeah, and it takes know, mm-hmm. like recipes and stuff like that. Yeah. As for my dad, he, now my dad is actually a vegan. And my dad has been suffering from a bunch of different issues for a very, very long time. And he was on so much medications. Mm-hmm. And maybe a year or so ago, I told him about the vegan diet and how, you know, it's known to help things like um, heart disease and inflammation and all these things. So my dad got a book, which is called The How Not to Die by uh, Dr. Michael Greger. Mm -hmm. And so he read about it. And, you know, the book talks about all the different health benefits of veganism. And uh, it cites so many studies. And so my dad decided to make the plunge. And uh, he's been a vegan for about a year now. And he said that he's doing so much better. There's full of medication he's not taking anymore. Mm -hmm. He's like, I am so happy that I helped him, you know, feel better and healthy again and, you know, Mm -hmm. get his forces back. Well, that is exactly something that I wanted to ask about. So people, you know, turn to a vegan lifestyle for all sorts of different reasons. And in your case, it was very clearly a moral, ethical reason. So I'm, I was curious if you found anything, you know, unexpected benefits or difficulties based on it. It sounds like this is a massive benefit is that your dad's health has improved dramatically and his lifestyle. Yeah, exactly. His, or not his lifestyle, his quality of life. Mm-hmm. And, and the lifestyle too, actually, because when you think of a lot of times the people that do the transition because of the fact that it's a diet that is still not mainstream you have to do extra research on how to do it the right way right because you mm-hmm. want to be eating enough you want to fulfill all your nutrition nutritional uh, needs but then what tends to happen with that as well is that you start to be exposed to other positive things like for example the benefits of working out and having a, a, an active lifestyle. And so I for see. my dad, when he switched to veganism, because it gave him so much energy back, he started also reincorporating more of an active lifestyle and be and moving more often. So that also improved his health in general. So mm-hmm. yeah, I would say for me in terms of, let's talk about negatives first, because that's kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, one of the things that I found is at first, when I did the transition, it was I really had to make sure that I was eating enough because mm-hmm. I took out foods that were very high in calories. Yeah, the, the size, right? Like, let's say if you're having like a chicken breast, then the amount of calories in that small chicken breast is much higher than the same quantity of broccoli. Absolutely. So, Mm-hmm. That was one big thing. So at the beginning, I found myself kind of under eating because I was mm-hmm. eating the same kind of portions, like a plate that's the same size, mm-hmm. but I was eating a lot less calories. Mm-hmm. So I found myself having headaches and things mm-hmm. like that. And when I started actually um, calorie counting and mm-hmm. looking at like you know the type of minerals and vitamins that I was getting, I realized that I was actually <laughs> underfeeding myself. So you didn't necessarily feel hungry in the traditional way, like this gnawing sense of hunger, but you had the effects of being undernourished. Yeah, but there was a little That's bit of both. There was mm, a okay. bit of the both because there was still parts of me that I felt like, oh, I'm still hungry and I would eat something. But then you have, let's say you feel hungry, you have an apple. 
And yeah. you feel for a little while, but then you're hungry again. And then you have another fruit or like a little bit of nuts, but that's not enough to compensate mm. for everything. So that's mm-hmm. why for me, one of the biggest recommendations I have to people who are transitioning is make sure you're looking at how much food you're eating. Make sure you're covering all of your needs mm. because then a lot of people tend to switch back because they're not eating enough or because they're mm-hmm. lacking of certain nutrients and vitamins and things like that. Mm. Because you're, you're still changing a lot of what you're eating. Especially yeah. like the people that go to like, uh, they'll eat vegan, but like junky vegan, as, yeah. as some people say, like, you know, they'll have all this processed foods. Make mm-hmm. sure you're, you're adding, you know, fruits and vegetables also mm-hmm. to get the extra things. Mm-hmm. So that was mm-hmm. one of the things that I found was a little bit of a, not necessarily negative, it's just a transition period that is mm. that was required for me mm-hmm. personally. Also, a thing for me that was hard is at the beginning when I made the decision to become vegan and I started doing the research, there's all this information that is thrown at you, you Mm -hmm. know, like the ethical aspect, uh, the health aspect, the environmental aspect. And it's like, for me, it was very overwhelming to, to get all this new information. And especially because once you make that transition, people start asking you questions. Mm-hmm. why are you doing this like do you know that it's actually not good for you and you mm. have to know <laughs> you almost have to become an apologist yes exactly you have to be sure to have the information so that people don't like dismiss anything mm. that you say just because you're vegan like you have to be more informed as a vegan about nutrition I find than as an omnivore that is really interesting to me because no one has ever really made me answer the question why do you think it's okay to eat cattle that's you know lived in the same 60 square feet for its entire life yeah. You know, no one's ever made me answer that question, but you, I'm guessing, have had to answer the question, how do you get enough protein? Oh my God. <laughs> but oh my I just, gosh. I just, I follow enough vegans and I know that but oh you probably had to answer that question hundreds of times. Yes, many, many times. And then also the so many arguments that come back over and over again. So with time, you know, you get the you know the answers, but it's just, it, it was overwhelming at first to understand everything and to, to be able to, to explain to other people why I'm making that decision for myself. And um, yeah. I, I relate to that actually, honestly, as a person of faith, because my faith is important to me. And it's like anytime any fool gets out there and yeah, yeah it's like, I have to defend their actions and I'm like, I can't, their actions are indefensible. Yes. Yeah, exactly. No, <laughs> like, no, I, I can relate to that too. Yeah. So I really, um, I really relate to that. And that's kind of, um, yeah, that's interesting. And it's kind of a shame that we're not equally, um, like we force other people to answer questions that we don't ask ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, we're concerned about your protein. Are we concerned about our <laughs> fried exactly. foods? You know? Exactly. How much fruits did you eat this week? Like, or today, just today, right, you know, right. those type of questions, like people don't even ask themselves that question. And yet they're so quick at asking me, like, are you sure you had enough protein? But wait a minute, you don't have B12. B12 mm-hmm. is not naturally in your food. And that that's one of the things like the whole B12 argument, which is something like, well, you shouldn't be vegan if you need to take a, a supplement to be healthy. But what a lot of people don't realize is, for example, in the case of B12, the animals that people are eating are supplemented with B12. That is why the meat has B12 in it. It's not because the animals just naturally produce it. 
It's because it's giving to them. Well, and yeah, I go, I have hypothyroidism. So, okay. you know, I'm monitored by a doctor for it and everything. And it's, it's controllable. It's, it's not a big deal or the end of the world. But every time I go for my blood test, she's like, oh gosh, your vitamin D is so low. I mean, mm-hmm. I can't eat enough vitamin D, period. It has to be supplemented. Yeah, for um, sure. And, and yet nobody's questioning my diet. It's exactly. Just, yeah. I'm sure you've gotten this too. Like vegans are kind of, um, they're probably a little bit mocked for how ardently they argue their case, you know, mm-hmm. but if maybe us or society have pushed vegans into that defensive mode. Yeah. I think that that's a big part of it, but I think it's another big thing is I personally have noticed that as a vegan, being a vegan for almost three years, there's stages, you know, when you, when you start the journey, I was very angry. I I couldn't understand why I wasn't vegan for the longest time, why I was making such a bad, I I used to make such a bad decision. And I was angry at the people that didn't understand why I was making that choice and that didn't want to make the same thing. But then as you evolve through it, and as, as you start to understand you realize that veganism ultimately is about compassion. It's about compassion for the animals. It's about minimizing suffering. And why would I not be compassionate towards other human beings that just maybe don't have all the information or maybe just choose to live their life differently? We should be compassionate towards everyone, Mm -hmm. every species, every human. Like at the end of the day, that is one of the most important things. And so Mm -hmm. with time, this this is more like the feeling that I started to develop and the anger just kind of left. Hmm. I could use a little bit more of that mindset in my life for a lot of other issues. (laughs) You're really, um, you're really kind of convicting me here. No, but I mean, maybe you're like in the beginning phases of another, you know, like I'm still angry about certain things. Like, don't get me wrong. There's certain things that still trigger me, maybe not as much in the veganism aspect, because it's something that has been such a big part of my life and I've had for a while. But there are other yeah. things that I feel like I just can't understand. <laughs> but yeah. still, you still have to listen and to love other people and to yeah to be compassionate. How about any other unexpected benefits? Oh, the benefits. Mm-hmm. Well, for one, um, my skin. I've always kind of struggled with skin issues. I had growing mm. up. Um, and I couldn't really figure out what it was. I was on t- a bunch of different medications for it for a while. And when I cut out dairy more specifically, because dairy is a very, uh, it's very inflammatory. Mm. And it's actually been linked with uh, acne and uh, issues with the skin. So when I cut that out, I stopped having acne, which is good. Yeah, I mean, actually, like my eyebrows just shot up when you said you had trouble with your skin because you have gorgeous skin. Wow. Thank you so much. But I mean, I still struggle with skin issues, just not acne. The the issues that I have now is just trying to figure out. So thank Mm -hmm. you so much for saying that my skin is beautiful because that has been one of my main insecurities for my whole life. Mm -hmm. Uh, So thank you. Yeah, (laughs) thank you very, very much. I can't wait to share this with my listeners. Oh, well, thank you so much, Becky, for inviting me and for giving me a little bit of a platform to share about my story and like what has happened to me. And I guess some of the the lessons I've learned along the way and some of the choices I've made, maybe they can help other people. All right. Have a great day, Muriel. <laughs> well, you too. And uh, I'll talk to you soon. Thanks so much to Muriel. 
a reminder that you can find her vegan recipes, beautiful photography, and educational resources on her website, Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube under Muriel Banakisa. That's M-U-R-I-E-L-L-E-B-A-N-A-C-K-I-S-S-A. You can also find all of this information and her vegan Shuba recipe on my website, thestoriedrecipe.com. Next week's episode is such a fun conversation with a deeply passionate but very playful French mom of three who shares with me the most delicious French pastry made by her grandmother to celebrate a mid-Lent carnival. She also discusses how she has redeemed the significant eating issues she dealt with as a child to raise her own children to love food and respect their French heritage. Please take a moment now to subscribe to the podcast so you won't miss this. And as always, any review or any share of this podcast helps me tremendously. I will be so appreciative if you do either of these things for this little podcast that we're growing together. Thank you and have a great week, my friends.